Lord, I have not come here this morning to speak my own words. Lord, Lord, I've come to speak your word. The word that you have given me, Lord. And Lord, because it's your word, it'll produce a harvest. Lord, I'm just a simple sower. We are just your servants, Lord. And Lord, as we open our hearts this morning, we thank you. Our lives are not going to be the same. Certainly not because of any preacher. But Lord, it's the entrance of your word that brings light and life. It's the seed, the seed of God that goes into the heart, that grows and produces a harvest that creates our future, a future that we may not know about today, but it's all secretly hidden in the smallest seed, a word from your mouth spoken into our hearts. Our lives won't be the same again, Lord, because of your message, because of your word, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give him a, a shout. You may be seated then. Oh, fantastic, I'm telling you now. My God, I'm laughing, I'm crying, I'm doing it all. Because when I think about Jesus these days, when I open my Bible, when I hear him speak, man, I tell you what, I'm just awestruck. I really am. I, I, I'm a worshiper. I, 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 I can't do anything but worship him. Um, just, you know, in, in my heart, inside, I feel as if I'm prostrate on the floor, just kissing his feet, worshiping him without anything to say, just captivated, like Faye said, by his beauty. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And it's uh, so, so special what, what Jesus is doing in our lives. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to continue just on this theme that we've been looking at over the months. There is no place like home. There is no place like home. This is our home. This house, this house of God is our home. And in this home, we have a connection with Jesus. We have a connection with one another. We have a connection with him as a result of being his people, and gathering in his name. And just before Easter, I mentioned to you that we would be looking at Luke chapter 15, and there's some things that I want to pick up on uh, through that this morning as we read it. But, you know, a home is a place that's very precious. When you think about your, your home, your physical home where you live, don't ever take that for granted. It's easy to do sometimes. 
But the home is a very precious place. It's a wonderful place. It's a place of intimacy. It's a place where you see growth. It's a place where you see change. And don't ever be threatened or don't ever fear change. Change is a great thing because change means that you're moving forward. Change means that you're growing. Change means that you're adjusting. Change means that your life is not going to be the same. But it's going to go on to be everything that God's created it to be. That all happens in the home. You know, if you just look at the natural, physical home that you live in, there are many truths and there are many things that we can take from that and apply it to our spiritual home here. Home is a wonderful place. Home is a place where we get connected Home is a place where I know my wife, where I know my children, where they know me, where they, where they see me uncovered, where they see dad, where Faye sees her husband, where, where my children see me as their father completely naked. And I'm going to talk in about physically, not only physically anyway. But I'm talking about all of the aspects of my life. Home is that place where I can be completely naked before my family and be everything that God's created me to be. And maybe there are some things that I've got to change and I've got to adjust, but that's not a threat to me. There may be some things that Faye may say, well, look, Dave, that may need to change and we may need to work on that area or the kids may come up and, and they may highlight something in me that needs to move on and that I need to move away from, but I'm not threatened by that. That's a good thing. That's a growing thing. That's what home does. Home's a great thing. Home's a wonderful thing. Home's a, a, a place where you can get the, the greatest connections, the greatest intimacy, the greatest value. Isn't it, isn't it so sad when, when home becomes a place of disconnection? Isn't it so sad when home becomes cold? When home becomes a place that you don't want to go to? When home becomes broken, when, when home becomes torn apart, it grieves my heart, it breaks my heart to see a home be buffeted by life, hit by life, punched by life, smacked by life. And, and, and sometimes our homes, as we go down through life, get beaten and they get battered and they get hit and, and home goes from that place of being a, a, a wonderful, beautiful place of connection to a hard, lonely place. I got great news for you. Jesus is about building home. And if our homes are, are going through a tough time, if, our, if we're going through a hard time with our children and there's the disconnection, we can call out to Jesus to help us. We can call out to him with the questions we have. If our children are growing and we may think, man, I've never faced this, this junction in life with, with my children. I don't know what to do. There's not a book that I can turn to to get help from. There's no advice, it seems, from people that, that, can, that can deal with this complex problem. The Bible says that Jesus is wisdom. Unto us. The Bible says 
that there is an anointing that abides within you whereby you have no need that any man teach you concerning anything for the anointing of God, the helper, the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the one that sheds light on the complexities of life lives in you and he will teach you concerning all things. It's in your Bible. He's living in you, the anointing, the Holy Spirit. If your home is going through a tough time, if you're struggling in your marriage, if you're struggling with your husband and your wife, That's not unusual. It's life, friends. We haven't got to have a Barbie doll Ken relationship that's all plastic and and it all looks so wonderful. No, life is real. Pressures come. And sometimes it gets complicated and the, the complexities of a circumstance and the relational conflicts that, that, that come and smack our home hard, we find it hard to go beyond. But there's an anointing that abides within you. It lives inside of you. And the counselor wants to talk. The counselor wants to give us counsel to help us through so that we can listen to that still small voice. Sometimes, you know, What I've found in my life is there's lots of very powerful voices. Maybe the voice of emotion rises up. The voice of the past rises up and shouts, this is the way, walk in it, do this, follow these set of rules. Then the still small voice rises up. It comes back to that more excellent way that Paul talks about. And it rises up within us. And it says, no, Dave, you do it this way. And those voices want to stamp out that voice, that still, small, precious voice of the Holy Spirit. You've got to go with that voice. You've got to go with that anointing. Because that's going to secure the future of your home. That's going to secure the relationships that you have with your children. It's going to give you a strong, healthy marriage. Please don't be surprised. Any of us that's been married for, for, for more than uh, a day know that things can be rocky, things can be tough, things can be hard, things can be trying and testing. That's not unusual, not at all. No, but there's a still small voice that will get you through that difficulty. There's a still small voice, there's wisdom, there's an anointing that will bring you on through that will enable you to have a strong marriage, even though life and circumstance and attitude and emotion and words want to, want to beat it up. And so it is in the family of God. You see, there are so many things that we can bring from our, our, our physical homes that we live at, and we can apply them to the church. There's, there's, there's things in our, in our church world, in our spiritual home here, where the enemy wants to divide, the enemy wants to isolate, the enemy wants to disconnect. But the house of God, the home of God, should never be a disconnected place. 
The home of God should always be a wonderful place of connection, a wonderful place of welcome, a wonderful home of celebration where there is joy, where you can, where you can feel safe to lay your burdens down, where you can feel safe to, to lay everything down on the table and not get gossiped about and, and not get criticized and not get condemned, but to bring your trouble in and then to get counsel and help and comfort. The house of God should have that reputation. The home, our spiritual home, should have that in place. And what we've been saying and emphasizing is that this must be a place of connection. Let me ask you a question. And, and, you know, think about this. This is our home, okay? Okay? Let me ask you, do you feel on the fringe? Do you feel on the edge of things? Because if you do, we want to change that. We want to change that. Because you're valuable, you're precious, so precious to God. I tell you, I remember, and I, I, man, I'm, I don't know if I'll get to this this morning. But you know, I remember many years ago now, in 1993, coming to this church. It was on a Friday night. And man, I was afraid to come into this place. I was afraid. I was coming to a youth group. Dale and Allison were the youth leaders here in this, in this place. And I thought, I had all these fears. I had all these fears in my mind. I thought, you know what? I'm going to get rejected do you know what? They're going to tell me to leave. I had all these fears inside that I was going to be an outcast, that I was going to be kept on the outside. I walked through the doors. I plucked up the carriage. Serious. And it may be hard for you to believe that today, but I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. I walked through the door. Dale came running up to me. True, Dale? He came running up to me welcomed me and got me right into the center of things. Right in. Right in. Pushed me forward. Pushed me up, not trod me down. Pushed me up. So I know what it feels like to feel, to feel on the fringe and then to be pulled in to the middle of things and to be pushed up. We want that spirit to be right across this place. We don't want anybody to be on the fringe if you feel on the fringes. Listen, if we haven't done our job correctly, we're sorry, genuinely. But I do not want, and Faye doesn't, and Haley, and any of the leadership team here does not want anybody to be on the fringe. Please, please don't be. And there's lots of things that we're trying to do you know, we're trying our best to do this. Maybe it's a connect group. A connect group. Sometimes, you know, on a Sunday we see each other for maybe five or ten minutes. It's hard, really. It's hard, really, for me and you to connect. But if I invite you into my home, up in Cumbran, right, within minutes, we're going to get connected. You're going to start knowing about my life. I'm going to start knowing about your life. 
There's going to be things that we're talking about. A friendship's going to develop. And, and if we further that and we, we make that consistent, we're going, to be, we're going to be like friends and family. And there's going to be a relationship and there's going to be movement and there's, there's going to be enjoyment. Why? Because I've welcomed you in. Can you imagine if you came to my door and, and um, you know, I brought you into the house and then I just, I, I left you in the room and I went upstairs and decided to surf the net. I've got better things to do. Would you come to my home again? You'd be crazy. What an embarrassment. What an embarrassment. I would never do that. I mean, that, would, that, that is the furthest from our minds, isn't it? I mean, you know, it would seem unthinkable to invite somebody to your house and then not to give them an overwhelming welcome. Offer them, you know, just like to make them a cup of tea or coffee or, you know, to, to make them some lunch or just to sit and talk with them and listen to them and show them interest and, and, and just to show them that you want them there. So it is with the church. Isn't it great? Now, we, we may not be there yet, but isn't it great to feel welcomed, to, to feel welcomed by a great team here, to, to meet not only the welcome team who do an amazing job, but also to meet other people that just may come up to you and say to you, How, how's your week going? How's, it's great. There's something about being in somebody's home that is very powerful. It takes you from the fringe to the center. And, you know, I really feel, and I think a lot of us do, that there's a fresh importance about our connect groups. You know, um, there's always been an emphasis here on connecting, on you know, not just meeting on a Sunday, but connecting in a home, in a home. Because in a home, we get to know each other in a way that maybe we won't get to know each other in a larger setting like this. You know, it's no accident, it's no accident that when the church grew very suddenly in Acts chapter 2, Almost immediately, they began to meet daily in their homes and devote themselves to the apostles' doctrine. Can I ask you this, right? Was Peter a great leader? Was Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John noted for their amazing leadership skills? I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. Because when there was a multitude of people that Jesus fed, Jesus had to tell them, boys, the way you're doing it, well, this is my interpretation. The way you're doing it, doing it is a bit disorganized. Get the people to sit down in, in, into groups of 50. I mean, Jesus is the leader. These men were unlearned in building church, in organizing people, completely unlearned. You've got to be a leader. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. No, these men were uneducated. They were unlearned. They didn't know what to do. But I tell you what happened. They got 
fired up in the Holy Ghost and suddenly the people devoted themselves. These people didn't have amazing organizational skills, but there was a devotion created by the Holy Spirit in the people and suddenly the people were organizing themselves and they were meeting daily in homes. Because there's something very powerful, something very powerful about home. So listen, if you're not in a connect group, we'd love you to be part of one. And this isn't a big, oh, you must, please, you know, we don't want to do that ever. But if you feel on the fringe, never want you to be on the fringe. Because my experience many years ago was of a person meeting me with joy, welcome, love, pastoral care, pulling me into the center. And then not only pulling me into the center, but pushing me up and on into everything that God had created me for. Dave, coming in, boy. Don't stand in the back here. There's a seat here for you. (laughs) No disconnection in the house. We want everybody connected. Everybody connected. This is a place where we connect with God and where we connect with each other. Now let me read to you Luke chapter 15 and we'll see how far we can go today. Luke 15, and we're just going to read seven verses. It says this, then tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Fantastic. What a great, what a great just insight into a moment in Jesus's life on this particular occasion that Luke writes about. Jesus is with sinners Jesus is with, on this occasion, the disconnected. He, through his own words, had said, I have come to seek and save that which is lost. I've come for the disconnected. I've come for those who have got a broken relationship. I've come for those that have got no connection with God. That's my very purpose. That's the reason why I'm here. I've not come for those who are well. I've come for those who are sick, for those who are injured, for those who are at a distance, at odds with God. That's why I'm here. Do you remember in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus stood up one day in his home town in Nazareth in the synagogue? It was his first message. It really was. It was his first sermon and he stands up 
And he begins to tell everybody about his life's mission, about his, life, life, uh, his, his life's work. And he says to them, from the words of Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's sending me to those that are poor. I'm going to preach good news to them. I've got to get to the brokenhearted because they're disconnected. I've got to, I've got to heal them and I've got to set them free. Not only to the brokenhearted, but on from them is the captive. I've got to get to those who have been captive and who are captivated by a power that's not... not Uh, that's over them. I've got to get to the, the oppressed and the prisoner. What was he saying? He was saying, church, there's a disconnected world around me and I can't stay here anymore doing these religious legalistic things. I've got to get out there. That's why I'm here. I've got to get to a broken, disconnected world and I've got to reconnect them with God. He couldn't help himself. And he says, today, This is fulfilled in your hearing. This is why I'm here. And suddenly, they they are horrified by this revelation. You see, sometimes we, we ask for revelation and then the Lord gives us a revelation and our whole world, our whole idea of who he is falls apart. And he gives them this revelation. They're expecting a move of God. They're expecting to see the Messiah They'd been anticipating him for 400 years and suddenly he stands up. He says, here I am. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to reconnect the disconnected. And they're appalled by it. God pulls back the curtain while he's there. And suddenly when he said, today this is fulfilled in your midst, all hell breaks loose. They grab him, try and end his life by throwing him over a cliff. But Jesus walks through them. Why? Because he hadn't finished. And he was going to do what he had come to do. And then the whole story, the whole unfolding of his life is going into disconnected people's lives and reconnecting them. Removing an impoverished idea of God that the law had presented and gracefully restoring it and, and bringing prosperity of mind and soul and being where there had been poverty He did it because he was full of grace. The first thing that people got when they met Jesus was an overwhelming sense of acceptance, an overwhelming sense of grace. And then they got the power of truth to enable them to live in that grace. He didn't come with laws. He came with love. He was the epitome of love. And that's what they saw and that's what they experienced. And that's why they came to him. Time after time after time. How do you get the the reputation of being a friend of sinners? How do you get that reputation? They put that reputation on him to criticize him. But that reputation actually commended him. You get that reputation by going deep into the world. By going deep into situations that the religious would be horrified by. That the religious would never leave their buildings for. Jesus went down the street and he became a friend of sinners. He healed the lepers. He healed the blind. He raised the dead because the power of God is with men and women that will do the will of God. And that's what he said. I have come. Come to do thy will, O God. And he did it every moment of his life. Every moment of his life, you want to see the power of God. Become a friend of sinners. Become a friend of sinners. 
You say, well, how? How can I do that? And I know sometimes it feels so difficult. Well, let me say this to you. The lifesaver lives in you. The lifesaver walks into your workplace. The lifesaver walks into your college when you walk in. I know it's hard to believe because sometimes we only look at our lives and the failings of it. Sometimes when we look over our lives, we only think, oh God, if only I'd have made different choices and different decisions. But no, the lifesaver lives in you like he lives in me. And he is going to do great things through you and in you. God is all about connection. Jesus was a friend of sinners because he wanted to connect the disconnected. And whenever you are in the presence of lost people, you are in the center of God's will. You really are. You know, sometimes we've acted as a church as if we've got to get out of the world. When the Bible says, go into the world. Go in, boys. What? Go back into the world that's just crucified you? Get in there, boys. I want to connect with them. And he commissioned them and he anointed them and he sent them. And he said, get into Jerusalem. Go to Galilee. Go to Samaria. And then to the ends of the world when you've finished there. And they did. They did. A couple of hundred people, 120 people, he said it to. Well, he said it to 400. And then 120 turned up. The other 300 and odd, if I've got my maths right, no, 280. It was a gift of mine, maths. Right, the other 280, where were they? When he told them to tarry in Jerusalem. There was 120 ready for it. The power of God came down. They could never have undertaken that commission without the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit wanted Jesus to be witnessed in all the earth, across every continent, in every land. He wanted every community to know what Christ had done on the cross, what Christ had done through the resurrection. So he anointed them with himself and he sent them out and they went out in power. And the same power that came through Jesus' hands, the same power that came from his voice came through them. And they were surprised. They were blown away as much as the people around them were blown away that said these are unlearned men, but they've been with Jesus. And I'm telling you now, listen, the Holy Spirit is going to anoint you. The Holy Spirit is going to enable you and empower you to do things that you would never have believed possible with your your life. He really is. He really is. Why? Because he loves this land. He loves Wales. I tell you, God and the devil have got one thing in common. They both want people. They really do. That's the only thing the devil wants is people. Devil hasn't got any interest in houses, money, or anything else. He's possessed by one thought. I want to get to people. God is possessed by one thought. That's why he sent Christ, and that's why he has sent his Holy Spirit with power. He wants people. He wants the harvest. And I'm telling you, my God, he's going to get them. Because we are going to cry out to the Lord of the harvest, and he is going to send laborers into his harvest. Woo-hoo! Thank you, Jesus.
Hallelujah. Oh, so he's with sinners. He's with sinners. He's with the disconnected. And he's, he's, it, it says they drew near to him. They drew near to him. They couldn't go to the synagogues of the day. They couldn't go to, into those religious ceremonies where there was laws and, and full of externals. No, they went to him. They went to this man that, that wore new, no, no royal robes. They, they, they came to this man that was disguised in flesh and blood, that had emptied himself, that didn't account equality with God, anything to be grasped. But he lowered himself. <laughs> Woohoo! I'm telling you, when he walked down the street, my God, you wouldn't have thought anything of him. You wouldn't have thought anything of him. He took up the vocation of a carpenter. <laughs> Woohoo! But I'm telling you something now, he was good with a chisel, but he was better at raising the dead. Hallelujah! He was, he was better at raising the dead. He was better at healing the blind. He was better than, at casting out legions of devils. Oh, he's wonderful. He's awesome. He's off the chart. And when you think about him, when you see him, my Lord, there's nothing else to say. Woo! I'm telling you now, it, didn't say, it doesn't say in my Bible that Peter added to the church. It doesn't say in my Bible that Paul added to the church or any famous flashy preacher. It says, and God added to their number daily. He's in charge of it all, friends. It's his kingdom. It's his church. And it's up to him who he brings in here. It really is. Oh, I tell you now. And he's, he's drawing notorious people, the most notorious people, the most notorious sinners, the, the, the tax collectors who were sympathizers of, of the, the, the Roman agenda. They were collecting tax and exacting tax on behalf of Rome. And he drew them. And they came to him. There was a magnetism about him that the synagogue simply didn't have. It just didn't have it. It was cold. It was dead. And it was irrelevant. But Jesus was drawing people to himself. Drawing. Drawing all these unusual people. Anybody and everybody. And the Pharisees hated it. Absolutely hated it. Disgusted by what he was doing. We've read it. You know, the Pharisee, they were very educated people. The thing is, God doesn't need education. I've got nothing against education. It's really important. Thank God we've got some educated people here. We'd be in a mess. But I'm telling you now, the kingdom of God is not about education. It's about revelation. Revelation. It's about when men and women hear the voice of the Spirit and move on out in that voice. I had the, the, the awesome privilege of having lunch with Terry Law. He just wanted, he, he wanted to have lunch with me, which I counted it a massive privilege. He just wanted to see how I was doing. Isn't that great? 
see how I was doing. How are you coping? Doing okay, thanks. And, and he said this to me. He said, Dave, he said, whenever I've listened to that still small voice, he said, whatever I've put my hand to has been greatly successful. He said, when I've not listened to that little voice, that still small voice, what I've put my hand to has failed. Has failed. And these Pharisees, these hard-hearted men, were not in tune with the Spirit. Do you know, these men were happy for people to remain in their disconnected state. Isn't that sad? Hard and proud and arrogant. Education. Not school, in theology now. The study of God. You would think that Bible study would make you soft and pliable and open, wouldn't you? You would think that when you open up the scriptures that your, your heart would get broken and overwhelmed by the message of love. You see, from beginning to end, it's all about a voice from heaven saying, I want to connect. I want to connect. I want to fix the breach. I want to I bridge the distance between us. I want to connect with you again. And you'd think, By reading the Bible, they would have understood that. And Jesus said to them one day, he said, you think by reading the Bible that you have life. You think that you have eternal life as a result of reading the Scriptures. You don't realize that the Scriptures are pointed to me. In me is the life. These men have become hard and callous. And they were happy for these people to remain disconnected. Now, do you know what? I believe, and we're going to close here. We're not even going to get to the story. But we'll pick it up. A week Sunday, Pastor Ray's back next week. Woohoo! It's going to be fantastic. Don't miss it. But maybe a week Sunday, we'll pick it up again. And... These, these Pharisees were just really content with the fact that these people were disconnected, broken, notorious sinners. Just leave them that way. Jesus couldn't. He couldn't. Aching, aching, aching. Like Tony. Aching. Aching for the lost. Aching to reconnect people. Aching to help them and breach the distance. And he tells them this little story about a lost sheep. Joe, you can come up and just play. Thank you. Isn't it great to have Joe on the keyboards? Oh, I tell you what, man. Fantastic. What a great young man Joe is, I tell you. You know, Jesus tells them, and, and I, I love this about Jesus, right? They've got all of their education, all of their theology. They've been to all of the schools of theology. To actually be a Pharisee, you had to be, you know, an amazing kind of bloke. Whoa. You have to tick all the boxes. You have to have all of the externals right. 
You couldn't have a broken life and be a Pharisee. You couldn't be poor and be a Pharisee. Couldn't have a broken heart. Couldn't be blind and be a Pharisee. You had to be strong. You had to be the man. You had to have everything in place. I'm perfect. Follow me. Follow me. Got a great marriage. Follow me. All my kids are in order. Follow me. I can tell you about the Bible. Read it backwards if you want. Follow me. I'm the man. Do you know what? It's great to be a good example. It's good. That's good. But if you are a good example with your life, let's never get proud and arrogant about it either. No. If you have a strength, I I want to learn from you. But let's never use our strength to prey on another's weakness. Because we all have strengths. And we can all give different aspects of our lives. But these men were very proud and hard. Jesus tells them, it's almost like this. And, and Jesus is a genius. He's beautiful. How he's got the guts to do it, I'll never know. Ah, I mean, he's so brave. He is so brave. If you want to look at a man, the best man you can look at is Jesus. He's so brave. He tells them a bedtime story. These men that are so high up, these men that have, that have come to him expecting all this highfalutin talk and all of this genius and brilliance, the Son of God, the Word that had created all of the worlds and the universe that they were allowed to enjoy, tells them a bedtime story about a man that had lost his sheep. Genius. Genius. If you'd have been a kid there, you'd have been there loving it. You'd have been able to understand it in its simplicity. And yet it was so profound that he he encapsulated the entire human condition in just three short stories. He said, a guy's lost his sheep, a shepherd lost his sheep. And as soon as he saw that that lost sheep was gone, wandered away. He ran to find the sheep. And I'm going to leave you with this. I've got a lot to say on that. But time's gone. But I'm going to leave you with this. And we'll get get to it in a few weeks' time. Do you know what? What really hit me last night was this. This got me. This got me. He said that the shepherd put the sheep on his shoulders. I'd never seen that before. Maybe I'd been too busy to read it and to see it. He was carrying. He was carrying that sheep. So I thought, I wonder how much your average sheep weighs. Do you know the average sheep weighs 100 kilograms? That's heavy. That is really heavy. I carried a 25-kilogram bag of plaster the other day. I was plastering in the crash. I watched a five-minute YouTube video, and there I went. Peter's calling me now, Plaster Dave. I like that name. 
Don't call me pastor. Call me plaster. I promise I won't get plastered, right? Plaster Dave. Oh, it's a cracking name, that is. Do you know what? I'm getting quite good at it, Pete, aren't I? The wall is smooth. It's, I tell you what. Ooh, that wall likes, looks nice over there. Is it Artex on those walls, Pete? I think it is Artex. Do you know what? One day they may be smooth. You never know. Wow. Sheep is heavy. Sheep are heavy. A hundred kilograms, that's heavy. That weighs a lot. That's backbreaking. But it shows you the passion of the shepherd. He's just so glad to have the sheep on his back. So glad to carry that weight. And when he showed me that, it was as if he was saying, Do you know what, Dave? Every person carries weight your whole life. I've got 45 years of weight. Not all bad. Lots good. Really happy. 45 years. Some of us older, the experiences of life weigh. Do you know what? When you can't walk on, don't be surprised. If you're getting to places that your strength hasn't been able to take you, why? Because the shepherd's carrying you. Carrying your weight. Carrying your life. Fear caused you to wander away. Fear. Depression. Whatever caused you to go. Don't be surprised. When you see. Not a predator. But the saviour. The shepherd coming. Putting you on his shoulders. Carrying, carrying you again. Do you know why I believe that shepherd, and Jesus used that story so powerfully. Why that shepherd put that sheep on his shoulders? I'll tell you why. Probably because the sheep had landed in a terrible mess and he couldn't walk. He couldn't get back to that place where he needed to be. So the shepherd picks him up and carries him. Isn't that great? We're going to get into that in a week Sunday a little bit more. But right now, I want to ask you, maybe you're here today, we're about to close this service right now. And today, there's no connection between you and God. I've talked about connection. Do you know, I've got a connection with Jesus. Not because I'm a good person. The only contribution that I made to my salvation was the sin that made it necessary. That's all I could bring to the table was a huge pile of sin. But he brought his saving grace to the table. Said, I'm going to save you. And I'm going to deliver you. And I'm going to clean you up, son. Maybe today you've got a broken connection. You're disconnected. Or you've wandered away. I want to give you an opportunity right now to pray. Just to ask Jesus. to. It's an invitation. You're inviting Jesus home. Not to 35 Kalean Road. You're inviting him home to your heart. I want 
to invite him in with you right now. I want to help you, that's all. So let's close our eyes, maybe today, maybe one person here, and you've never invited him home. At some point in all of our lives, we've been where you are today. And we've prayed this simple prayer, an invitation. Right now, you can do that. Pray with me. Say this. Jesus. Jesus. I invite you today. To come into my heart. Thank you. For helping me. In this home, in my heart. Thank you for forgiving me all of the sins that I've committed. Thank you for being interested in me. I believe you're alive. And right now, in this moment, I accept you. Now, if you prayed that prayer while eyes are closed, would you quickly just lift your hand up? I want to give you a little booklet. That's all. Is there one person here this morning? One person. Maybe you've never prayed that prayer. Maybe everybody here this morning has prayed that prayer. That's great. That's fantastic. But if not, then I want to give you that opportunity. Let's stand to our feet right now. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you. You are the good shepherd. Lord, we pray in this next week, as we go into a world that's disconnected, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to show your love and your grace and your healing power to a broken, lost world. In Jesus' name, amen. 